politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow Paul Revere's and Minutemen to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for another spectacular week here at Blaze Media, where we are the only independent conservative source of news and views. And boy, do we need independence, where we have both parties, both political movements merging into one. One movement using and abusing one crisis to destroy every single thing we have taken for granted in this country. A lot going on this week, really a lot to catch up from the weekend. You know, typically weekends are kind of quiet, but in this news cycle, it's like an an entire new universe. So we got to catch up on some stuff that has gone on since we got off there on Friday, which really buttresses a lot of the points we made last week. But uh, wow, man, it is cold here. I don't know what what it's like in your part of the country, but in the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, a record cold 30s in uh, well into May. You know, it's funny. If we're going to have this global warming lie, could we at least benefit from global warming? But then again, that's what a lie is all about. A lie is a lie. And I think that's the issue with President Trump. <clears throat> President Trump is staring down the barrel of a gun a political outcome, an election, where he is getting all of the liabilities of all these policies, but none of the benefits. Just like we're getting all the liabilities of cold weather, but none of the benefits of global warming, because it's a lie. Trump needs to understand there is no such thing as lukewarm hell in politics. Once you get tagged with the liabilities of a certain position, that's it. Now you have to fully embrace that position and turn it into a winning issue and actualize all the benefits. The die is cast. I don't want to hear Trump or other Republicans or anyone else running for office on generic slogans anymore. The world has changed. It's all where you stand on corona fascism and all of its analogs, all of its cascading effects. Are you for doing everything in your power to combat the lies around this issue? To combat the fascism, the release of criminals and illegal aliens, the taking over of American markets and industries and businesses, full socialism, where we destroy the ability of the free market to work and then put everyone in one pot and dole out handouts. This is all where it stands. You know, it wasn't that long ago when we had the Tea Party, the outgrowth of Obama's uh, just massive effort to remake America. The dependency we decried at the time during the stimulus. Here we are a decade later, and we have a worse degree of socialism taking place with Republicans in control of the White House and the Senate. Back then, Democrats controlled all three. Now Republicans control two out of three. The excuses need to come to an end. The time has come for the president to pick a side. Because what's going to happen to him, I'm just giving him free advice, what's going to happen is he's going to get all of the liabilities of the lockdown 
plus all the liabilities of looking like he didn't care enough about the virus and none of the benefits. And let me, let me demonstrate this. So some of you might have seen there was a 12-minute um, clip online from a BBC expose reporter, Deborah Cohen, there on basically how the Imperial College model of London was a lie. This was BBC News was starting to go after the lie of lockdown. And they were actually making fun out of Boris Johnson, who was allegedly conservative, for buying into this. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen eventually here. So they trashed Trump for not caring enough. And then ultimately, when this turns out to be a lie, he's going to be blamed for all of the economic melees, for all of the deaths from people that <clears throat> did not get other medical procedures done during the shutdown, from the mental health crisis, from the education crisis. See, all of the headlines that we've been pushing the last two months about the terrible effects of lockdown that outweigh any alleged benefits, much less the real benefits, which are zero. Guess what? The media, the Democrats, they're going to start touting this in the coming months. And they'll blame it on Trump. And this is what Trump needs to understand. Pick a side. Fish or cut bait. He is being tagged as Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp, but he is not getting the benefits from it because he's got his personnel still pushing the same policies. They say Fauci was put into quarantine. He needs to be in quarantine forever. Over the weekend... Big news. We're going to go through some of the big news stories. One of them obviously was, this is from Fox, Georgia reports lowest number of COVID patients in a month. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp announced Saturday that the state had the lowest number of hospitalized coronavirus patients it has seen in just over a month. Today marks the lowest number of COVID-19 positive patients currently hospitalized statewide since hospitals began reporting this date on April 8th, Kemp tweeted. Today also marks the lowest total of ventilators in use. And he is winning a lot of accolades. He took the risk. He stared at down everyone. It's been 17 days now since he opened up. Not fully, but more than any other state did at the time. That is past the incubation period. right? You're not going to see the effects right away. If supposedly there are really bad effects from opening up, you wouldn't see it right away, but you would see it by now. And he is declaring victory. So he really suffered a hit, but eventually he could recover because he has the truth on his side. Trump is being tagged with the liabilities of a Brian Kemp, but he's going to get none of the benefits because in the end he joined with the left. Even as rhetorically he was saying our talking points, as he often does, and he's going to get the worst of all worlds. So this is what this man needs to remember. Now, speaking of lies, speaking of lies, there's a lot of lies going on here. And the biggest one, I think, at this point, we've spent weeks talking about the denominator. How really there are so many more people who have this. Really, a massive percentage are asymptomatic and mildly symptomatic. We have case study after case study of entire universe, whether it is ships or meatpacking plants and prisons and ice facilities, where 
often upwards of 90%, but certainly 60 to 70% in every case, at least, are asymptomatic, very few deaths, and the few deaths that there are always follow the same pattern of known vulnerable populations that we need to be protecting while having everyone else go out and achieve herd immunity. It's, It's that simple. But what we are seeing now is something much worse. Now we have to go back to the numerator. Who says the number of deaths are really true? Until now, we haven't spent much time on this because we always knew it was padded and inflated to a certain extent. They admitted it. Burks admitted it a while ago. We have the famous quote from the Illinois health director saying that anyone who tests positive, even when there's clear alternate causes of death, they do it. But we felt that fundamentally, whatever the number is, okay, it's padded a little bit, but either way, it's a very low um, fatality rate. What they're doing now is unconscionable. It's becoming clear that there are very few deaths that are occurring now and have really occurred the last two weeks. It's over. The epidemic is over. Completely over. Where the numbers are coming from are all in nursing homes or mostly in nursing homes. Some states more than 100% in nursing homes because they're backfilling deaths. So A, they're from nursing homes and B, a lot of them are recoding deaths from before as as uh, COVID deaths. Now we really need to start getting the president to question this. Because now they're over 80,000, and this is what they're going to do. They're going to get their 100,000 number. No matter what, there could be nobody in the hospital, but the death numbers keep going up, and it makes no sense. But now we, we know the answer to it. The Washington Post published an expose. I'm, I'm shocked it didn't get more attention. This is the Washington Post, okay? It's not Fox News. It's not Blaze Media. Washington Post reports that last Wednesday in a very heated meeting between Deborah Burks, the co- the co- health coordinator of the task force, and the CDC director, Redmer, that Burks just kind of went nuts on them. She's also like every other day she says one thing. But she basically said CDC is using outdated models to code deaths and they're inflating the numbers by as much as 25%. Folks, what did I tell you? You heard it here first. 25%. So the 80,000 should really be closer to 60,000, which made a lot of sense because even the government's models, once they revised it down from the 100,000 to 240,000 estimate, they they honed in at 66,000. And that's what it should have been. But the last number of weeks, it's like the deaths have been going up and up and up and up and up because they're retroactively recoding them and it's all in the nursing homes. Now, obviously, you have the big scandal in the nursing homes. Obviously, a lot of people did die. I'm not denying that. But that's the fault of the very people who pushed lockdown, used all the resources and testing that needed to be done there and put it on the general population that didn't need it. They had the insane order that until yesterday... Until yesterday, Cuomo mandated that that state nursing homes had to take back COVID-positive patients. So there's definitely a lot of people who died. But as I noted, there is no way they're not inflating the numbers. Because the reality is, the reality is, roughly 700,000 people die 
a year in nursing homes, okay? At least. I think I think the number I got is if you average it out, it might be 770,000. That's a heck of a lot of people. Now, if you take 770,000 and you divide by 52 weeks, you get about close to 15,000 nursing home deaths a week. This, this is what always happens. Because again, 65% die within a year. Um, I think 53% die within six months. And they usually die kind of out of nowhere. I mean, if you're in a hospice, you're dying of cancer. So it's the cancer that gets you. But the most common thing really is it's, it's pulmonary, cardiovascular, and, and Alzheimer's. So what they're doing now is anyone who dies of you know, testing positive with COVID, which again, most of them are going to wind up getting it. Some of them are going to die from it. But the death rate is not 100%. It's, it's, it's dangerous. You, and, and this is what we should have been protecting. But they're petting the numbers. I'm 100% sure of this. And Deborah Burks herself is saying this. So every day now, we have all these numbers of deaths, and they're just not true. They're retroactively coding too many nursing home deaths as such. Remember, remember, there's a certain large percentage that get asymptomatic and mild symptoms. Now, less so than among a younger population, but that's true even among nursing homes. I'm going to have an article out today. I'm going to quote from Colorado Public Radio. In Colorado, they tested entire nursing homes, and a number of them were asymptomatic. So if you have an asymptomatic case, but nonetheless, look, I mean, you're going to test positive. doesn't matter. So you test positive, and then the guy dies. Well, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of people die in nursing homes. Including in those numbers, by the way, are also hospices. It's ridiculous. So... They're not even, I'm not even talking about people that only had three to six weeks left to live and they died of COVID and were, you know, all the numbers are being used to, used to juice, juice up the national number of people that only had a few weeks or a few months to live. Fine. Technically, you died of COVID. Okay. I understand that. Although that does need a little bit of political context as to the scope of the crisis. I mean, that, that does make a difference, but it's more than that. They're now coding people that absolutely did not die of it. And this is clearly happening everywhere. If someone just stopped breathing one day, he was very sick. Oh, but he tested positive. So, you know, a lot of people are focusing on the fact that they're coding deaths where they see the symptoms. But for whatever reason, they never got tested. So they don't have a confirmed positive test. But what I'm telling you is what's even worse than that Look, if you want to say the guy, the, the lungs looked like there was COVID, I understand that. I could actually understand that if they didn't test positive, much more than ones that did test positive, but there's no signs that they died from it. So again, what we have, as I noted, in New York City, or I'm sorry, New York State, okay, is roughly about 5,000 or so con- um, uh, recorded nursing home, senior care facility deaths. In New York State. 55% of them are presumed. 45% of them are confirmed. And as I said on Friday, with this presumed business, usually um, the confirmed are much larger. You know, most of them are confirmed. There's a little bit you add in there are presumed. With the nursing homes, it's more than half are 
presumed. And presumed is defined by those that were never had an affirmative positive test. So that's for that's one pile. But even in the f- pile that's confirmed, confirmed means not that it's confirmed that they died from COVID. It's confirmed that they died while being positive for COVID because there was there was a test. A certain number definitely did die from it. But a certain not insignificant number did not die from it. Because the reality is, as we're seeing in most places, in the prisons, often over 90% are asymptomatic. Now, let's say that's not the case with seniors. Let's say it's 30%. But certainly if you add the mild symptomatic, I mean, anything short of deathly symptomatic, which is going to be a higher share among nursing home residents, no question. But the death rate is certainly not going to be more than 10%. Yet literally every human being who dies for a two-month period in a nursing home who tested positive, which is going to be most of the population, they're saying it's a COVID death. I mean, think about it. Over the course of this epidemic, okay, over the course of this period, let's take an eight-week period. How many people die typically over eight weeks in a nursing home? It's going to be at least 100,000 people, okay? So you have a pool of 100,000 people to now pad the numbers with. They're going to die, and a good number of them are going to test positive. This whole thing's a fraud. Let, let me put it to you another way. Think about this. We now know, and, and, and really hats off to Phil Kirpin on Twitter, putting out, he has a running tally of a spreadsheet. Now, 52.8% of, of those that recorded nursing home deaths and are publishing that data died in nursing homes. It's an unbelievable thing. Now, we don't have all 50 states, but it's likely true because... It's true among the, the 39 states that have published numbers. 39 states. 50, nearly 53% of the deaths are in nursing homes. No, how many people in the country even know this? So if you have 80,000 people died, let's say, we now know that no more than 38, 39,000 died outside a nursing home. That's a huge deal. Remember, In the 2018 flu season, 60,000 people died. Now, to be fair, you got to do the same thing to both sides of the equation. So likely a certain number did die in nursing homes there too. But it could very well be easily that not more people died outside nursing homes from COVID than died in the 2018 flu season. I mean, this is not conjecture. This is straight up arithmetic. We have the recorded numbers. So, I mean, putting aside the fact that the 40,000 or so nursing home deaths, a good number of them, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if at least 10,000 or so, 15,000 even, are BS. That still would leave a, a tragedy there, no question. But but what we certainly know definitively, pure math, I mean, we don't have to engage in conjecture, is that outside nursing homes, as of now, there are no more than 40,000 deaths. And then also factor in that the, the big enchilada is New York City and its surrounding counties. Justin Hart, another good follow on Twitter, 
he put out a couple of really amazing graphics on this, but he he counted it up. The f- 45 counties that are within 100 miles of New York City. So this counts, you know, a lot of New Jersey, most of New Jersey, Connecticut, parts of upstate New York, but not, you know, really far north. 44 counties that are within 100 miles of New York City account for 54 percent of all deaths so now now ask yourself this let's say let's say you are outside of new york city outside of the 100 miles of new york city so that means that there have been roughly gee i don't have my calculator here oh here it is okay what is this 0.54 times eighty thousand. That's 43,000. So that means that there haven't been more than 37,000 deaths outside of that New York 100-mile area, New York City. 37,000. And now we're saying that, you know, 53% or so are nursing homes, even of those deaths. And remember, it actually might even be more than that because New York City did have a more widespread dangerous outbreak that roped in more cohorts than the rest of the country. So actually, the share of nursing home deaths as of now, I mean, it, it, it keeps going up, obviously. Eventually, it's going to go up. But as of now, it's only 36% in New York City. So it's actually much further down. If you would look isolated, it could be closer to 60% of those outside of New York City are... um in nursing homes. I know in my state of Maryland, it's about 61%. In my home county, it's about 83%. So it could very well be, now Now, now take a look at this. Take a look at this. 37,000 outside the 100 miles. 53%. And, and that's, that's going to be very conservative. I really think it's a lot more than that. But that means only 47% of the 37,000 were outside of nursing homes. So that means, you know, somewhere around 17,000, 17,000 deaths outside of nursing homes, outside of the 100-mile area of New York City. 17,000. Okay, that's less than every flu season. And then, of course, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of those 17,000, in most places, almost to a person, are people with four or five known conditions. And a certain number, maybe over 80, that didn't have those conditions. I mean, we destroyed everything for that. And we're continuing. I mean, some of you saw I tweeted this out yesterday. My in-laws, they're in Richmond, Virginia. I'm in Baltimore. So it's usually uh, with traffic, three-hour drive. So we, I, I drove an hour and a half to, to meet them. You know, our families met because they never saw the baby yet. And we were going to meet in this park in Virginia on the Potomac. You know, you can imagine an hour and a half drive. It's not easy with four kids. And we come and the cop waves us away. It says they're, they're full to capacity. What do you mean full to capacity? It's an outdoor park. 
I mean, the very same bastards that literally killed people in nursing homes, the one place where it existed. In Virginia, it's, it's almost all the deaths now are in nursing homes, whether it's real or fake, but they're recording them as such. There are zero transmissions in parks, outdoor parks. We're closed to, we're, we're, we're up to capacity. Are we going to sit and, and, and take this? Really? This is utterly insane. It's mentally ill. It's time for Trump to combat the lies. And for what? What did we get for all this? What have we done to ourselves? Three months of COVID may mean 80,000 missed cancer diagnoses. It's from Medscape. 80,000 diagnoses. They did a study of five common cancers that would be missed by early June. Could you imagine that? 80,000. Again, take this to the bank. I am sure of this. There's other things I'm unsure about. I mean, I am taking their numerator. I'm taking their thing seriously. The 80,000, 81,000 number that they're up to and it's going to keep going up. But I'm just telling you, as of now, even if you would take their number, which we know 100% now, it's not conjecture, 100% it is inflated. Exactly by how much we don't know, but we know it's inflated. It, 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 it cannot not, I mean, it, anyone who tests positive in a hospice, in a nursing home, anywhere. And now that we know that so many are asymptomatic, it makes no sense to automatically assume they died from it. Even among a more vulnerable cohort that's hospitalized. Meaning, as opposed to everyone else, it's almost certain that they did not die from it. Among these people, yeah, there's going to be a percentage who die from it, but it's not going to be 100% of that pie. But what I'm telling you is, even if you take those numbers... How many people died outside of a nursing home, outside of 100 miles of New York City? And the answer is, even with their inflated numbers, 17,000. Remember, we have the Illinois State Health Director on record. That, that's not New York. That's very far away from it. Where she, she laid, laid it out fully to us. I mean, you know, she said every single... Hospice death, anyone who's confirmed of, of, of you know testing positive is recorded as such. And again, I, I, I need to stress here that this is not including the other half of the equation, those that they're adding that are presumed, meaning that they did not test positive. I'm going to read the quote to, to you for those of you who missed the show. Dr. Nagazi Azik, health director, public health director of New York, of uh, Illinois. Quote, I just want to be clear in terms of the definition of people dying of COVID. So the case definition is very simplistic. It means at the time of death, it was a COVID positive diagnosis. So that means that if you are in hospice and had already been given a few weeks to live, and then you also were found to have COVID, to have COVID, that you would be counted as a COVID death. It means that technically, even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, 
it's still listed as a COVID death. So everyone who is listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time. I hope that's helpful. She said that during a press conference. I mean, she said it in plain English. And now we have the number two Tony and Debbie show, Debbie Burks, saying that she thinks the numbers could be inflated by 25%. So really, if you want to, I mean, what I know certainly mathematically even using their numbers is no more than 17,000 so far have died outside of New York City area, outside of nursing homes. But really, it could be, you know, I don't know, it could be closer to 10,000. And again, it's a known population. Here's the thing. You know, they're all saying the serology tests are are wrong, but they don't really tell you why. Guess what? Arizona did their own serology test. Guess what the number of the case fatality rate or infection fatality rate they came out with? 0.2, like every other one, 0.2. But again, like I keep telling you, 0.2 is inaccurate because the numerator is almost all people. You can't like say, oh, how many people got it? How many people died? Oh, so your risk of dying is 0.2. No. Because almost all the people dying are above a certain age and or have certain conditions. So if you are if you don't fit into that category, you're not 0.2. You're an entire decimal or two over from that, as we're seeing from the prisons and, and everywhere else. You know, all of them have pre-existing conditions. So that means it's really lower. And that's the thing for the rest of the population. It, I, I mean, you know, I was very much, you know, I, I, I believe there is a something da- dangerous here, and I didn't like fully comparing it to the flu because I thought that distracted from the debate. I was like, even if this is a lot more dangerous than the flu, but we're not saying not to do anything. We're doing more than we do for the flu. But it's like, does it warrant nuclear warfare? You're saying it's on par with the bubonic plague, and it's not. But what I what I will say at this point, the data is in. And, and if you are definitely, let's just play it safe, it could be even more cohorts, but certainly, let's say, under 60 with no health conditions. So certainly, um, it, it is no more than the flu. And which, again, means that you want to achieve, but, but on the other hand, it is very dangerous for certain conditions and elderly people, especially over 80, especially in nursing homes. So you do want to protect those people. You do want to put all your resources into them. And therefore, and therefore, You want everyone else to achieve herd immunity quicker. This is what we're seeing in Sweden. We're all going to have a second wave. They're going to achieve herd immunity. And again, even Norway, everyone say, oh, Norway did a good job. The Norwegian health uh, minister came out and said it was a mistake to close schools. There's, There's no threat. They're reopening schools today. Norway, Denmark, and like I told you guys before, um, a lot of people like this point I made. So if you didn't listen to Friday's show, I'm going to remake it. I think it's important to hear. A lot of people are wondering, why is it that Europe now seems to be moving towards science a lot more than we are? They seem to be acting in a more prudent and balanced way. And they're opening schools. They're saying you could hug your grandparents. They're doing more of a, a stratify and shield you know, risk stratification assessment. Um, rather than a full lockdown. And the answer is because they're, they don't need to use coronavirus as a tool, as a pretext 
for tyranny and socialism because they already have it. They already have control. There is no freedom. You know, they're, they're not like Saudi Arabia. They're not like the Middle East, but they're not like America. They're not fully free countries. So they don't need to prove anything. So at this point, you know, they don't want to destroy their countries. Whereas in America, this is the problem. Because Trump is president, it's perceived almost as if the freedom side has control of America. So so the left and the forces of tyranny need to sink their teeth into this because this is the best thing they've ever had. And that's why they need to fight to the death to use this and lie about it in order to get the corona fascism. And that's why we're not following science here. And they want to have as much destruction and as much dependency. The more they keep kids out of the school, the more they keep parents home from work, the more you have mental problems from kids and emotional problems, and the more then they get to come with their programs, programs for jobs and programs for food and programs for welfare and programs for education. We will never be a free people again. We'll be more socialist than Europe after this. But that's the thing with Trump, coming back to what we started with. Trump needs to embrace the freedom side. He's being tagged with it. They're fighting as if he is. They're blitzing him as if he's Tom Brady and going to make a very dangerous play against them. So by golly, make the damn play. Mr. Trump, come on. There's no such thing as lukewarm hell in politics. Once you've incurred all the liabilities of it, of your position, your perceived position, you have to embrace it fully and make the plays. If you're going to have the blitz against you, don't just sit there and get sacked. Then make the play. He's got to start pointing this stuff out. But I want to buttress the point I just made about nursing homes. Again, people are definitely dying. It's definitely because of these idiots doing contact tracing, surveillance, fascism. I mean... Imagine the human resources they're using to shut down every park and like look at every playground and this and put tape at every last thing. I mean, it should all be put into the nursing homes. But this is a listener in Ohio. I'm not going to mention her name because it wasn't addressed to me. It was sent to my colleague Steve Dace and Steve forwarded to me. I wanted to reach out to you, to your investigative team with firsthand evidence of the coronavirus death rate being skewed. My family said goodbye to my father on May 3rd. He suffered from Alzheimer's and had been in a nursing home for six months. Six months. So again, very similar to the statistics, by the way. The last two years, he had spiraled down because of unavoidable changes in my parents' life. The nursing home where he resided gave him incredible care and our family peace of mind. He was happy and his changes plateaued until he was cut off from daily visits from my mom and consistent visits from me and my siblings. My dad, like many other nursing home residents, could not handle being cut off from their loved ones. Because of the changes, his disease started robbing him of more abilities. Almost four weeks before his death, he ran a fever for two days. Because of a staff shortage, my brother was forced to quarantine with him until he was fever-free for 72 hours. The day after his quarantine, he tested positive for coronavirus. We were relieved that uh, a two-day fever was his only symptom. His appetite never affected, and he loved seeing my brother. Unfortunately, after my brother left and no other family came back to see him, it started the end stages of the disease. Three weeks later, he forgot how to swallow, and the family, along with hospice, was allowed in to be with him during the last four days of his life. 
During those days, we were able to talk with the nurses multiple times about what they were experiencing. After my dad tested positive, positive, every resident was tested from both of the buildings. 75% tested positive. 90% of the positive cases were asymptomatic. The majority of those who experienced symptoms only ran a fever like my dad for a few days. We were devastated when they informed us that out of 27 residents in my dad's building, after my father passed, only 10 residents remained. Absolutely horrifying. These residents were dying of broken hearts. Quarantine procedures for nursing homes need to be reevaluated. Residents need to have at least one designated family member to be able to visit. During my dad's final hours, we discussed with the staff the cause of my father dying. Everyone was in agreement that it was not COVID-19, but the nurses stated he will probably be listed as a COVID death. How could that be? Three weeks after, his only symptom was gone. He made it through the virus just fine. We told them if we can, if we can, we will fight the claim. Yesterday, I received his death certificate. COVID-19 is listed as the cause of death. An absolute lie. Hopefully, our firsthand experience can be added to your research. Thank you for sending this to our team. Um, and yeah, we will. I mean, this is very helpful. Because it's it's a real life story that affirms exactly what I told you Friday, exactly what I'm gonna write about today. Because again, I was like, wait a minute, like a lot of them are asymptomatic. You can't tell me. I understand there's more as a percentage, more people over 80 are gonna die than people, you know, 50 or outside of a nursing home and, and who aren't chronically ill and and you know in their final year or two of life. I get that. But still, you know, if, if you get an asymptomatic version of it, you can't tell me you died from that. It just doesn't make any sense. Meaning right now, it, 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 if you didn't have this lie, the numbers would barely have moved, in my view, over the last few weeks. And we'd be like in the 50,000s, maybe at most 60,000. This is the only way they're keeping the lie going and the, and the panic pouring and the fear moving the other thing is she points out an important thing um and i think this is very important when we talk about locking down nursing homes it has to be like anything even in nursing homes it has to be done in a prudent and balanced way and their point is you know and this is why i think we shouldn't waste all of the testing on them i think what we need to do is and i, I think it's a great idea you certainly need to cut off visitors in general but she does have a good idea for each person there is a need for at least one designated person a first do a serology test you know do an antibody test on that visitor um and then do do daily tests the pcr tests if you if if, if that's necessary but we need to conserve those tests for nursing homes not just to ensure they don't get covid but like she's saying they're gonna die of a broken it, it's terrible Terrible what's going on. Everything our government do is doing is wrong and backwards. Anyway, there's just one more thing I want to mention <clears throat> with regard to this before closing up and moving on to our last item. And that is just, again, this notion that not only is it not even worth it to do lockdown and all the collateral damage, which is just mind-blowing, and the number of people who will die, economies destroyed, jobs destroyed, lives destroyed. And that, as we noted, if you look at the real numbers, it was very limited geographically and 
in terms of demographically where it was, and we could have had a much more effective, efficient, targeted mitigation effort. But beyond that, we always say, who says any mitigation efforts work once you let the virus in earnest into your country? So you look at a CDC study. This is a report they put out in March, and they say very straight, Although subject to many limitations of mathematical models that explore potential source mitigation strategies that make use of vaccine, antiviral medications, and other infection control, and social distancing measures for use in an influenza outbreak identified critical time thresholds for success. These results suggest that the effectiveness of pandemic mitigation strategies will erode rapidly as the cumulative illness rate prior to implementation climbs above 1% of the population in an infected area. (laughs) Folks, think about New York City. By the time they did a lockdown, how many people we now know were likely infected? That's the point. The horse left the barn. It doesn't work. The only countries it worked in, and again, I would argue you could have You didn't have to do lockdown. You could have done just basic, not have large gatherings type of thing. Basic public education on, you know, not to touch and to wash your hands. That, you know, to take it seriously. But it's Israel, it's Iceland, it's Taiwan, countries like that, smaller countries. When we did it, when the Western European countries did it, the the transmission had already peaked. Much less gone through 1%. I mean, this is the lie. CDC, everyone says what what we were saying in January and February. They went nuts based on one model. It turned out to be wrong. What is so hard for the president to say, look, we erred on the side of caution. It turned out to be wrong. We wanted to make sure the hospitals weren't overrun. I'm proud that we surged ventilators and PPE and we surged resources and we had the naval uh, ships just in case they were needed. They weren't. Thank God they weren't. Now there is no justification under any theory of epidemiology or or virology to continue this. Why can't he come out clearly? I don't know. Just so frustrating here. Anyway, folks, I have a lot more on the docket today that I'm going to have to leave because my wife has a an appointment for the for the kid and obviously I'm home with the three boys so I got to run up to make sure they're not killing each other so I got to run out now but again um sign up for our private Facebook page if you want to be a Paul Revere to warn us what is going on in your state if you have great information if you have information if you have a parent a loved one in a nursing home and you have information that sheds light on the coding of these deaths sign up from Minutemen Speakeasy, that's our tavern, to get together, trade free speech, free ideas. Also make sure you're a member of our public page, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. Make sure you sign up for Blaze TV's one-year subscription, just 69 bucks, but only if you put in promo code Daniel at blazetv.com forward slash CR. And uh, if you have any personal request, comment, information to share with me, it's always very helpful. dharowitz at blazemedia.com is the email. At rmconservative is the Twitter. Till tomorrow, stay safe, stay free, and God bless. Mm-hmm.